This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. On this day of podcastmas, my favorite podcasters gave to me 12 poisonings, 11 eyeball pluckings, 10 sleepless weekends, 9 missing hobos, 8 awkward dates, 7 medical malpractices, 6 southern stabbings, 5 golden rings, a quadruple homicide, a few cryptic notes, 2 teenage dirtbags, and a lunatic ex-husband. Ho, ho, ho! You've already done that. No, no, I was doing something different, but you interrupted me. Okay, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, ho, ho, ho. That's what people say when they see Ashley walking down the street. Fuck you. (laughs) That was funny, and you know it. That was a good one. (laughs) Not really. It was funny. So how are you tonight? What are you drinking? Wine. Oh, yummy. Thank you for joining me on this uh, eighth day of podcast, miss. Are we leaving that intro? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, whatever. (laughs) That was funny. Okay, whatever. That's fine. Uh, Anyway, thanks for joining me on this eighth day of podcast, miss. There's nothing better I would want to do. Means today. Oh, my God. My stomach's going to be so loud again. You have any idea how hard it was to edit around my stomach grumbling? Sorry. For anyone that cares, I have Crohn's disease, and I like how I said that. I have Crohn's disease. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. For anyone that cares, I have Crohn's disease. So if you hear my stomach grumbling, it's not my fault. It's just really angry. That's what happens when I get stressed. My stomach gets mad. You got too much stress going on. I'll try to edit them all out, but I don't know. It's really loud. I'm not hungry because I already ate dinner. But anyway, moving on. Like, can you hear it? Yes. <laughs> it's really mad. All right. Sorry. Anyway, it is now the 20th of December, which means Christmas is just five days away. Uh, If you celebrate Hanukkah, then you're right in the middle of celebrating. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, it's coming up. So whatever you're celebrating, I hope you're enjoying yourself. Moving right along. On the eighth day of podcastmas, my favorite podcasters gave to me. Was that your phone going off? Yeah, I forgot I was cooking pasta. I need to go get it off the stove. I'm Hurry so sorry. Hurry up, Ashley. Hurry I'm so up. Sorry. <laughs> How do you forget you're cooking pasta? Because get. I got distracted so many times. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm so sorry. Mom's finishing oh. my noodles. How nice of you to join me. I'm sorry. The amount of disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Leave me freezing in my garage so you can go make pasta. Rude. Anyway, back to it. All right, so. <clears throat> on the eighth day of podcast miss my favorite podcasters gave to me eight awkward dates all right so going into this i would like to start off with um i feel that the eight awkward dates naming is extremely insensitive yes after researching the case i mean obviously i already knew what the case was i don't know why we ever thought eight awkward dates was a good name for today's 
crimes. Um, clearly, we just were not thinking of like how insensitive that truly is. I don't know because we said. I just want to apologize in advance for that. Uh, next order of business: If you do not like crimes about children, um, if you do not like cases about a sexual nature, we still love you, but we don't want you to be uncomfortable. So, see you tomorrow. That being said, let's get started. Uh, oh, also, um, this people will probably get mad. I don't. It is what it is. If you get mad, um, this is literally just like a skimming of this case because it is such a huge case. I probably could have done five parts on it, obviously. You'll know in just a second what it is. But uh, yeah, so that being said, a lot of things are going to get left out. It's podcast miss. We weren't trying to do, you know, like multi-part episodes. So um, we can do a deep dive on it, but we'll do that maybe like on the Patreon. Let me know if you guys want it. Um, but anyway, without further ado, let's go. Yeah, it was really bad choice for this case. We should not it have was- chosen it. It was a really bad case. Yeah, we should not have chose this, and we also should not have named it, like, a awkward date. It's like, ha, 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 ha. Like, no. It's not. They're not awkward dates. And it's not funny. And it's not funny. At all. Not even a little bit. It's actually disgusting. So, we're sorry. Yeah. But it is what it is. We've already done it. I mean, there's really no going back now. We're too, we're too deep into podcastmas, so here we go. I started this case off a little differently. I hope you like the, the change up. I started kind of, like, at the end and stuff at the beginning. Ooh. I know. Are you ready? On June 20th, 1979, 12-year-old Robin Christine Samso went missing from Huntington Beach, California. She was riding her bike to ballet lessons when a man approached her and her friends and asked if he could take their pictures. Her body was found on July 2nd, 1979 in the foothills of LA off of Santa Anita Canyon Road. Thanks to a description that was given by Robin's friends, police were able to have a sketch made, which they then circulated through Orange County, California. A parole officer recognized this man immediately. It was Rodney Alcala. He had previously been arrested for assaulting a minor. Police would end up searching Alcala's mother's home, where they would find a receipt for a storage locker in Seattle. Now, I thought to myself, Seattle, that's crazy. Like, that's a really long drive to be having a storage locker. Seattle's in Washington. It's not even that far away. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. We don't know geography. I mean, I do. I don't know what I was. I know it's in Washington. I know Washington's right by California. Well, I didn't know that, so I don't know geography. Okay, well, I knew that. Okay, so anyway, in the storage locker, they would find Samso's earrings. Rodney Alcala was arrested without bond in July of 1979 for the rape and murder of 12-year-old Robin Samso. This would become a huge case, and I spelt it just like that. H-U-U-U-G-E-E-E-E-E. I like that. Yeah, I thought you would. So anyway, you see, in 1978, Rodney Alcala appeared on The Dating Game. A popular uh, reality game show type thing. So, he was introduced as a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13. Between takes, you can find him skydiving or motorcycling. That was a nice voice. That was my game show host voice. I like it. It's super weird to me that he did not mention his love for murdering young girls when he went on this show. I don't think I would probably mention that either. I said that um, that's a real lady winner. No, it's not. Not at all. I'm just saying. It's interesting to me. It's something to know. Yeah. But would it win him over? Probably not. Rodney Alcala came across as very charming. He actually ended up winning the show. And he won a date with The Bachelorette, Sarah Bradshaw. Unfortunately, Sarah found him to be extremely creepy. And she refused to go on a date with him. He was creepy. Probably the best choice she ever made in her life. I accidentally just started updating my uh, audacity. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's probably going to, I don't know what it's going to do. I'm sorry. This is awkward. So embarrassing. (laughs) So embarrassing. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, so embarrassing. Okay, I think it's done. So sorry, super embarrassing. Okay, so anyway, back to what I was doing. Uh, so that's probably the like best thing she ever did in her life. She probably saved her life there. Just saying. Yeah. So a little a little early life background. Uh, Rodney Alcala was born August twenty third, nineteen forty three, in San Antonio, Texas, to Miss Anna Maria Guatierrez and Mr. Raul Alcala Boquar. I'm not sure if the pronunciations of those are correct, but that's what I'm going with. So. In 1951, Raul moved his family to Mexico, where he would then abandon them a few years later. Nice. So, uh, that darkroom story probably never happened, since uh, Rodney Alcala's father peaced out before he ever hit the age of 13. Uh, in 1954, Anna Alcala's mother moved with her three children to Los Angeles, California. Uh, Rodney Alcala joined the Army at the age of 17 in 1961. Thought that was illegal, but I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. Uh, in 1964, Alcala had what is described as a nervous breakdown. He then went AWOL. Just a little fun fact. At the time, he was stationed in Fort Bragg in good Ooh. old good old North Carolina. North Kakalaki. So it's reported that he hitchhiked from Fort Bragg all the way to his mama's house back in California. That's a long hitchhike? Yep. It is a quite a long hitchhike. Uh, after that, he received a medical discharge from the Army as he was like, Taken under psychiatric, uh, I don't know the word, but anyway, a psychiatrist decided that he was no longer fit to be in the army, so they gave him medical discharge due to his mental illness. Gotcha. Alcala would go on to attend UCLA School of Fine Arts and study film at NYU. So now let's move on to the crimes. Um, I put here that I want to make it known that I find this man to be a putrid waste of existence. I like that description. But I to put in my notes um i also find it disgusting that he was allowed to commit as many crimes as he did given the amount of times that he was arrested and then released yeah i'm all for rehabilitation but at what point do we decide that someone just cannot be trusted to be let back out into society because that's how i feel about this man yeah it's been a long time since i've like heard a whole case on him but he was arrested like a lot multiple times he was arrested multiple times that's crazy that they just yep. let him out every time yeah Yep, yep, yep. So uh, Robin Samso was essentially the beginning of what we now know as the notorious stating game killer. So while he was only convicted of eight murders, it is suspected that he committed as many as 130. That is quite a discrepancy. Yes. Eight to 130. Yeah, it is. Well, he's only convicted of eight, but. I don't remember it being that many. Uh, well, that's how many it is. It's crazy. I would know. I'm the professional. You're not a professional. I'm the expert. Okay. Not really. I'm not an expert. I'm just joking. That's just a joke. I'm not an expert. Half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, he was active from 1968 to 1979. Uh, he collected over a thousand photos of people. Uh, most of them were in sexually explicit poses. That's where the uh, 130 comes from. So of the 1,000 photos, they released like 120 of them to the public to see if they could help identify the people. Um, but over 900 of them couldn't be released because they were completely nude. Uh, also, jewelry. There was a whole bunch of jewelry, like over 100 pieces of jewelry that he had. And they assume each piece belongs to a different person. So again, um, it very well could be 130 people. We may, we're never we're never going to know, to be honest, though. Right. Like trophies. Yeah. So those creeps do. Yeah. So he would tell people that he was a photographer. And apparently he was really charming. To some extent, because he has hundreds and hundreds of models in his pictures. So many people believed him. One of his co-workers had said that he would um, bring a portfolio to work with him and regularly show them the portfolio. 
Most of it was young boys and girls. And when his coworker asked why he had taken the pictures, Alcala said that the parents wanted him to do that. But a majority of them were naked. So I don't think that the parents actually wanted that. Probably not. The coworker said he was just young. He didn't really know any better. So he didn't really think anything of the book of naked children that he was being shown. It was the 70s. So it was a wild time. Guess so. Yeah. So Alcala's first known crime was on September 25th, 1968, when he lured eight-year-old Tally Shapiro into his apartment. A neighbor saw him taking her up, and the police were called. When they arrived, they found Tally alive, but she had been raped and beaten with a steel bar. Just to uh, give you an idea of exactly how brutally she'd been beaten, she was in a coma for 33 days. Oh my gosh. So, like, he didn't just, like, smack her. He, I mean... Brutally. He was going to kill her had the police not shown up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, one thing I watched said um, he answered the door to the police naked. Like, just, like, full-on naked or, like... That's what it said. That he answered the door naked and was like, oh, hang on a second, guys. And then when the police, like, got sick of waiting on him, they busted the door in and he was gone. Because he then um, avoided arrest by fleeing California and he headed to New York. So he essentially just, like, peaced out, left the little girl in the floor. And at that point, it was only one officer... And that same thing that I watched said, like, the officer had to choose between going after this dude that just beat the living crap out of this little girl or saving the little girl's life. And so he chose to save the little girl. Right. Because he couldn't do both. He was by himself. That was a good choice. Yeah. I mean, yes, but he went on to murder a lot of people. I mean, obviously, yes, it's good that he saved the little girl. But had he went after him and caught him, uh, there would be a lot of people still alive. Yeah, that's true. I guess that. I mean, I, I hate to say that and be like, I mean, obviously, I'm happy that he saved the little girl. But. At the same time, he could have avoided a lot of hurt. Yeah, that's true. Had he caught him then. I didn't think about that. Because again, this is his first crime. So this is his first known crime. I think that based off of the brutality of the crime, I don't think it was his first crime. Right. Doesn't sound like it. This is his first known crime. So anyway, uh, he headed to New York. Um, In New York, he started to use an alias as there was now a warrant out for his arrest. And his alias was John Barger. Later, he would change his alias to a much more secretive alias. That would be John Berger. Oh, much different. Yes. Idiot. Yes. I mean, he clearly wasn't that big of an idiot. He was on the run for a long time. But I just thought that, like, John John Barger? No, no, no. We're going to change it to John Berger now because that'll throw people off my trail. I don't, whatever. <laughs> one letter. One letter difference. But anyway, uh, under this alias of John Berger, he began counseling children at an art camp. Great job for him. In 1971, Cornelia Michelle Crilly, age 23, was found strangled in her Manhattan apartment. She'd also been raped. Her murder would remain unsolved for 40 years until 2011. Also, in the same year of 1971, uh, Rodney Alcala was added to the FBI's 10 Most Wanted Fugitives for his crimes against eight-year-old Tally back in 1968, which to me was also kind of crazy that he was on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted for one crime. I mean, it was a brutal crime. I mean, I know, but I just thought that was really crazy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So he actually would end up being found thanks to that art camp that he counseled. A few of the students saw him on a 10 Most Wanted Fugitives poster at the post office, and they reported that Rodney Alcala looked a lot like their counselor, John Berger. So unfortunately, after Alcala's arrest and extradition, back to California, 
all that they would actually be able to charge him with was child molestation. Why? Uh, because Tally's parents had relocated and they refused to let her testify against him at trial. Uh, so the attempted murder and rape charges were dropped and he was sentenced to three years for child molestation. Okay. Yeah. There's your first issue right there is that that occurred. Uh, he was then paroled after 17. After 17 what? 17 months. So not even two years in prison. Oh, didn't even get to serve his old three years. Nope. Uh, he then was arrested again two months later for assaulting a 13-year-old girl. Depending on what you read, he either assaulted or he gave drugs to her. Either way, he was messing around with a 13-year-old child that he should not have been messing around with. Right. Um, but again, he was released on parole after serving just two years. In 1977, Alcala was allowed by his parole officer to travel to New York City. It's an interesting choice, I would say. Uh, since, you know, this guy is yep. attacking. He's attacking young girls and he's already evaded arrest for years. So I'm not really sure why we would allow him to get on a plane and fly across the country. But what do I know? I'm just a podcaster. Right. You know nothing. So it is now believed that while he was in New York City on that trip, Alcala killed Ellen Jane Hover. Ellen was a 23-year-old daughter of Herman Hover, who a popular club in L.A. Ellen was also the goddaughter of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. So this was a high-profile case. In case you're unaware, both of those men were famous people. I gathered that, but I don't know who they are. I didn't know either, but I Googled them. Apparently, they were really big deals. What were they? Uh, one of They were like singer, actor, director. Like They're just big deal in Hollywood. Okay. Uh, Ellen's remains were found by the Hudson River, buried under heavy rocks. Her body actually was not found for a year, so it was buried under heavy rocks. Pretty good. Uh, and also, no one would realize that Rodney was involved for 30 years. Right. In 1978, Rodney Alcala was in the Hillside Strangler investigation, but he was ruled out. Um, he did, however, go back to jail at that point for marijuana possession. So, now that we went through those past crimes, we're back in our present time of 1979, when he is now arrested and held without bond for the murder of Sam So. So, just a little fun fact here. Rodney Alcala was tried three times for the murder of Robin Samso. He was found guilty all three times, but the first two trials were appealed and therefore he was retried, which to me is also crazy. Like, he just keeps getting found guilty and they still keep giving him new trials. Right. After the second time, like, that's enough. Sorry, dude. Right. I would agree, but whatever. Uh, between the second and third trial, Rodney Alcala wrote and published You, the Jury, in which he claimed innocence of Robin Samso's murders, or I'm sorry, Robin Samso's murder. He also attempted to sue the state of California twice while he was incarcerated, once for a fall and the other time because they failed to offer him a low-fat diet in prison. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah, but that obviously didn't get him very far. So prior to the third trial... Uh, Rodney Alcala was linked to four other murders thanks to that DNA, thanks to DNA evidence, because by this point we're in 2000s, so DNA is now a thing. Uh, the four other murders he was linked to was Jill Barcombe. She's an 18-year-old New York runaway. She was found in LA in 1977. She was thought to have been a victim of the Hillside Strangler. Obviously, DNA proved that it was actually Rodney Alcala. Uh, 27-year-old Georgia Wixted was found bludgeoned to death in her apartment in Malibu, also in 1977. 31-year-old Charlotte Lamb was found raped and strangled in the laundry room in her apartment complex in 1978. Her DNA was found on a pair of earrings that they recovered out of Rodney Alcala's uh, storage unit. 21-year-old Jill Parento was found in 1979 murdered in her Burbank apartment. So with the third trial approaching, the prosecution attempted to combine Robin Samso's case with the four new victims. And while the defense argued against it, in 2006, the court did end up siding with the prosecution. So, in February of 2010, Rodney Alcala, once again, but this time for five murders, he is now 66 years old, 
and he decided to represent himself during the third trial. Oh, that's never a good idea. I would love to have been a fly on the wall. Yes. During this trial, he also decided to take the stand, which is also never a good idea. Did he question himself? Like, <laughs> Yes, he did. Uh, it work. Yeah. So he questioned himself for five hours. How? He, ad- he addressed himself as Mr. Alcala in a deep voice, and then he would answer the question in his normal voice. I hate this guy. Yeah. Um, he claimed not to remember killing any of the five victims. Um, he also was allowed to question Robin Samso's mother. That really pissed me off. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, okay, here's my thing. <clears throat> Get up on my soapbox real quick. So, I'm all for you're allowed to represent yourself. That's legal. That's totally cool, whatever. He's already been convicted of murdering this woman's daughter twice at this point. Right? So, I don't care. Like, that never should that have been allowed. He never should have been allowed to question Robin's mother after he's already been convicted of murdering her daughter twice. And it's now been, at this point, I mean, what, 30 years, 40 years? Like, she's had to live with knowing this man murdered her daughter. And now he's like, oh, I'm innocent and I'm going to question you myself. Like, get the fuck out of here. Sorry, yeah, Dad. Like, yeah. uh, as part of his closing argument, he played the song Alice's Restaurant. Have you ever heard that song? No. Yeah, me neither. It's 18 minutes long. This dude's a freak. He is a freaking lunatic. So the song is over 18 minutes long. I did not listen to the whole song because it's 18 minutes long. I don't have time for all that. Um, but just some lyrics for you. I don't know why in the hell he thought this was. I don't know why in the hell he played this as his closing argument. I don't know. Like I said, we might have to. We we probably have to do a deep dive into the dating game killer because he really is like a very interesting man. Interesting lunatic. Yes. Okay. So just some of the lyrics from the song. That this was his closing argument. I didn't kill these girls. Let me play this. I want to see blood and gore and guts and veins in my teeth. Eat dead burnt bodies. I mean, kill, 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 kill. What? Why? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I looked. I was trying to find like a reasoning for it, but. How does that do anything for him? I have no idea. Because he's a freaking lunatic. I don't know. After two days of deliberation, the jury found Rodney Alcala guilty of all five counts of first degree murder. He was given the death penalty for the third time. Oh, so the first two times he was also given the death penalty? Yes. Oh, okay. It's crazy. Uh, in 2012, Rodney Alcala was extradited to New York where he would he was going to stand trial for the murders of Ellen Hover and Cornelia Crilly, which I already talked about. Um, initially, he pled not guilty, uh, but in December of 2012, he entered two guilty pleas. He was given an additional 25 years for those murders. So that's interesting. That he just, like, changed his mind. I guess he didn't want to go through another trial. I guess he didn't want to have to defend himself again. I don't know. I guess. Must be. Uh, essentially, though, I mean, he really was just a psychopath. Um, I don't know. I almost really feel, like, bad for even picking this as a podcast miscase Because I feel like I couldn't give it the attention that it needed in the amount of time that we have allowed ourselves. And, like I said, I feel like we just kind of, like, when we did it, we were, like, trying to be funny and like it's just really not i mean none of the cases are funny but like this one is like really awful i don't think we were necessarily trying to be funny i mean no but like we we're trying to be like like cheeky like fun little song and like eight awkward dates but like none of these women were on dates no like even a little bit no not at all so anyway just like some other cases like he was mentioned in um in 2010 in washington the seattle police uh, named him as a person of interest in the murder of 13-year-old Antoinette Whitaker. She died in July of 1977. 
Um, and also Joy Scant, age 17, who died in February of 1978. Uh, their jewelry was found in the jewelry that they got out of his storage locker in Seattle. Uh, other cold cases that were reportedly linked to Alcala were um, in California, New York, New Hampshire, and Arizona. So, like, not only was he wreaking havoc in California, like, uh, he was all over the place. Yeah, that's terrifying. Like, he's literally killing people all over the place. Uh, in March of 2011, officers announced that they were confident that Alcala was responsible for the murder of 19-year-old Pamela Jean Labson. She was murdered in, did I say that, 1977? Um, she yeah. had made a trip to Fisherman's Wharf to meet a man who was offering to take her photo. Um, her body was later found near a hiking trail. He was never charged on that case, but that's just another one that they think. Right. There was enough evidence that they could have uh, convicted him of. Um, in 2016, uh, Rodney Alcala was also charged with the murder of 28-year-old Christine Ruth Martin, uh, who disappeared in 1977 from uh, Sweetwater County, Wyoming. He went silent again. He was too ill. I, I said at that point, he was 73 years old, and he was too ill to make the journey from California to Wyoming for the trial. Hmm. What was he ill of? Uh, he died of natural causes in July 2021 20- at the age of 77. So. Okay. He's dead, thankfully. No more wreaking havoc. I just think, to me, it's insane that he was allowed to, like, to hurt as many people as he did. Also, this is really not even... How in the hell did the dating game let him on the show? He was on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted. Before he got on the dating game? Yes. Yes, he was on the dating game in 1978. And he was on the FBI's Most Wanted in 1971. Well, they must have been like you and not done their background checks. Obviously, but come on. This is TV, guys. Do you think they didn't do background checks? Or do you think someone was like, hey, this guy was on the FBI's time with wanted this one? I mean, I would hope no one is that sick. I, I mean, he is that sick, but I don't know. Like I said, honestly, I feel bad. Like, honestly, I just really feel bad that I even covered this case for podcastmas. Yeah, that 30 minutes did not really do it justice. No, it didn't, but like... The podcast episodes are not supposed to be. I mean, I could have done four parts on it. I could have. Right. Well, you'll just have to do that for the Patreon. We'll just have to like re revisit it and put it on the Patreon and do like a multi-part. I mean, because there's really so much more. Yeah. Obviously. Like, you know, I mean, like he's a sick, horrible monster. Yeah. That he is. I mean, he's been compared like compared to like Ted Bundy because he was um apparently charming and... He was good looking. I mean, he was. He was a good looking guy. Um, at one point in the dating game, the girl was like, I'm serving you for dinner. Describe yourself and what are you called? And he was like, oh, ha, ha. I'm the banana and I'm delicious. And she was like, I love bananas. <laughs> and I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah, that is disgusting. Like, what a disgusting human being. Well, what we should have done is you should have been like, okay, we're here for eight awkward dates. Just kidding. We're not doing that. Here's another case. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have, but I don't know. I didn't know what to do and it was too late. Yeah, well, I didn't have time. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you can tune in tomorrow. I'm sure you probably won't because that was awful. <laughs> that was awful. Probably lost all of our listeners. There'll be Reddit threads about what horrible podcasters we are and how disgusting we are. Yeah, probably. So I'm just going to sit here and eat my applesauce and wallow in self-pity. So anyway, we'll see you tomorrow when we cover 
Nine missing hobos. Nine missing hobos. All right. Sorry I called you a ho at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> All right. Peace out, Girl Scouts. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our three tiers at the five dollar level we've got the moderately wicked for seven dollars a month we've got the awesomely wicked and for all of those high rollers big ballers out there we got the ten dollar level the extraordinarily wicked as a member of our patreon you are entitled to bonus episodes Uh, You also get a one-time shout-out on our podcast, as well as some other cool little extra things going on there. So come on over. Join our fan club. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked, or you can literally just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com Great news! You can now listen to us pretty much wherever you like to listen to podcasts. That's right, folks. We are big time. You can now hear your Weekly Dose of Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and PodFriend. The only place we can't seem to get ourselves on is Pandora. So we'll let you know when that happens. In the meantime, make sure to come back next Wednesday for your Weekly Weekly Dose Dose of of Wicked. Wicked. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.